You're listening to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. This is episode number 93, examining 928 opportunities using time-tested principles. Welcome to the Ending Human Trafficking Podcast. My name is Dave Stahoviak. And my name is Sandy Morgan. And this is the show where we empower you to study the issues, be a voice, and make a difference in ending human trafficking. And in fact, we're going to tackle 928 opportunities to do that today, Sandy. I think that gives us approximately three seconds per opportunity over a 30-minute podcast, and we've already burned up a minute, so probably 2.7 seconds, something like that. Go. Okay. Well, (laughs) I've talked to a lot of people at the beginning of the year with National Human Trafficking Prevention Month being launched, and they all are excited about having some kind of goal this year to really make a difference in ending human trafficking. Mm, So I thought I'd do a little homework to answer their questions when they say, what can I do? And I I did some research, uh, Freedom Collaborative, and we'll put a show notes link in here. Freedom Collaborative has um, a directory of all uh, as or as many organizations as they can find that are doing anti-trafficking work. There are 928 organizations in their directory as wow. of a week ago. Cool. 928. So how do I decide which one to volunteer, to apply for a job, to get involved with to end human trafficking? That's a big job. And the more I thought about it, the more I realized that I don't need to go in and assess all of those different organizations. Freedom Collaborative's website will give you some background on each of those organizations, their location, um, what kind of work they do, what, what if they're a nonprofit, whatever it is. But before I do that, I need to look at what I can do. Mm. And so I kind of went back to some old podcasts and looked at some principles that are time-tested that we've used before. And the first principle that I looked at was the idea of expertise and resources. Do you remember? That's kind of the um, determining qualifications of how we enter into a partnership. I remember. That's the fourth P, partnership. Yeah. And and expertise and resources, we're going to kind of give a little example of that. Um we need to understand who who has the expertise um, um, and make sure that we our expertise fits in that we're it's not a um, that it's a good solid fit for my time for my expertise and and getting involved with one more nonprofit for some people this is like how many are there in Orange County how many are there in California. How many are there nationally and then globally? Mm, So to understand what they need isn't nearly as important as understanding what is my expertise and my resources. And then the other um, paradigm that I want us to consider just briefly, and we are actually going to go into depth on this when we get to ensure justice in just two months, March 
6th and 7th, 2015, Ensure Justice is based on the coordination, collaboration, capacity, and compassion model. And the idea of coordination and why it's so important to understand that there are so many different organizations, we don't want to um, duplicate activities um, that are already going on. And without that coordination, without being able to have a 30,000 foot level view and see who's already out there doing that, we can start something a block away from something that's already going on. And that may end up costing us dearly Mm. because we aren't being wise about how we leverage our resources. We do not have unlimited resources in this battle. And frankly, in the last year, we've seen especially federal funding drop in support of um, anti-trafficking efforts. So leveraging resources and avoiding duplication, those are some of the outcomes of coordination. But make sure you register for Ensure Justice to really delve into this. And then the second C is collaboration, which leverages expertise. And we are able to partner based on who does this well, who is nearby, um, which organization has more resources for the particular issue. It's never going to be a cut and dried. Everybody um, goes to this organization for that and for to this organization for something else. We really have to have um, a process of collaboration that is constantly feeding back Um, where we are, which is why coordination and collaboration have to be done um, jointly. So because the outcome is going to be able to build capacity. And isn't that why we're in this? It's why we're in this. And it's our as in a, as I say, it's our it's a requirement, but it's not a requirement, but it's really imperative upon us, Sandy, to go through this process because if we don't Short-term, we will see things happen, but long-term, the sustainable contribution that people, organizations, resources make just just won't be sustainable over time. And so it's, it's critical to do this. And I was thinking about what you said about expertise and resources at the beginning there and how that might seem selfish a little bit on its face when we think about it, of thinking through first, like, what are... What are the gifts can I, that I can bring? What are the commitments I can make and or my organization? Mm. Uh, but if we fail to do that in advance, long term, we're not going to be able to sustain that commitment. And um, I think, I, I suspect most organizations and most movements like this will benefit more from not just people doing a whole bunch of different things, but committing to something that they can do over time that's really sustainable, um, even if that might be not as many things, but that one thing that you can do over time that's really sustainable and that fits within the framework of all those partnerships is really helpful. And and our ultimate goal is to have the resources available to the victim or survivor that is necessary right now at this moment. And that lack of coordination and and the lack of sustainable, that is such a good point because a lot of things have started and then fallen away because mm. w- there wasn't enough 
um, foundation to keep it moving. And building capacity is really going to be an important aspect moving forward in ending human trafficking. And just an example, last night I got a phone call asking if I could help somebody find resources for a survivor in Colorado. Oh, Okay, so Hmm. just if you're listening to this, please remember I'm in Southern California and I visited Colorado a couple of times, but I don't have resources there. So how do I help someone and that coordination and giving them the 888-3737-888 number to call the National Human Trafficking Resource Center because they are a point of coordination. Go to the Freedom Freedom Collaborative and find out if any of those organizations are in Colorado. And those are the two things that I gave the person who called because the first place they have to start is at the 30,000 foot level to Mm -hmm. see who is out there doing something. And one of the other things that really uh, comes to mind for me too, Sandy, and us talking about this this morning is that it's, there are a lot of organizations out there that do kind of the things we would think naturally think of when we think of any human trafficking, you know, shelters and rescue programs, um, which are really necessary programs. And then there's also, organizations, and I suspect a number of the 928 that are doing things that we wouldn't traditionally think of as the obvious connection to serving human trafficking and preventing human trafficking victims. Um, But there's almost an infinite number of ways that a person could potentially serve. So it's, it's almost when, when someone comes to us and says, well, what could I do to help? It's almost like what, the bigger question is almost what should I not do? (laughs) Like, how do I make the decision of what not to do and really look at the things that would best serve my gifts and focus on one? And maybe it's not even immediately apparent how that serves directly as far as, um, as far as in a rescue situation, but, but works toward prevention. And there's so many things out there that work toward prevention. I think about the story you told of the, uh, the clinic that was, working to help with getting eye procedures or eye surgery. Am I mm-hmm, remembering that correctly? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and how that had an effect on people being able to care for children and then go to school. And, you know, it's just, it, it was like the domino effect of how that really does relate very, very directly when you play it out on preventing human trafficking. So, Well, I, um, I told you, Dave, that I was going to start my own blog and um and you January did. I did it you I did. did it it's sandralmorgan.wordpress.com and um I wanted to launch with this big picture idea of there are a lot of people in this battle but how do we figure out where we fit and and I I think that um a beginning look at this uh I have three strategies to help people find meaningful engagement that actually builds sustainable capacity. Mm, I love using good. the word sustainable. Good. Let's walk through. Okay. So the first one is go slow, go far. That's an old African proverb. And um, it is definitely reflected in our Global Center for Women in Justice uh, mantra of study the issues, be a voice, make a difference. And there are so many things to study around the issue of human trafficking. Here, you're, you just brought up a great um, example, which I think happened in Egypt, where they did cataract surgery for people who um, needed to keep a child out of school 
to have someone to lead them around. And once they had cataracts removed, then the child was free to go to school. It's those kind of domino effects that you're talking about. Those issues are, are absolutely um, astounding when you realize there may be a very simple procedure that could change um, children's lives in a particular part of the world. What are those? So study the issues and finding out who's doing that. But um, the idea of finding out who's doing something has not been our traditional way of studying the issues. We have traditionally looked at um, papers about what causes this and um, how we can respond. Is this a best practice? Is it evidence-based? Um, studying the laws, uh, what are the legal elements of human trafficking, reading Department of Labor reports. You've heard all those things here on this podcast. But now how do you actually study the landscape of the movement to end human trafficking and find out who is already doing that? Because we do not want to reinvent the wheel. And in podcast number 57, we went back and talked about that because we have limited resources and we want to avoid duplication. So studying the landscape. And that's why I wanted to introduce the Freedom Collaborative model to you, because not just to overwhelm you, Dave, that you have 928 organizations you can volunteer your time with. That wasn't really my goal, but it's to help us start looking at this from a bigger perspective. Mm. And that that broad perspective is... It's both challenging, but it's also encouraging, Sandy, that there are so many different ways to serve. There's so many organizations and people who are committed to ending human trafficking. It certainly isn't just the Global Center for Women and Justice. There's so many people around the world who have committed to this effort, and there's so many ways to use your gifts to serve in a small capacity, in a large capacity, and whatever you can do. And the I, I think of the mantra often of the smallest act is worth more than the grandest intention. Mm. So if... It may not be a substantially large contribution, but a small contribution can go a long way over time if it's sustainable and really make a true difference for people's lives. And And that's what I think is really exciting for us to be able to encourage people to take that first step. Well, and this process isn't just for people getting started in ending human trafficking, but for our our loyal listeners, our old friends, um, understanding who's out there and what they're doing and where they're located, you might find a partner or a model that you could replicate. Or you can also, you know, we learn by seeing things that someone's not doing the way we think it should be done. So you might actually um, begin to be able to identify practices you want to avoid. Mm. So all of this is part of the go slow, go far, but it requires some research. And that's my second um, strategy is educate yourself first. Do not plan to go and do a training or an awareness event for another group until you've really figured out your own um, basis for why you're doing ending human trafficking. Uh, If you are using um, resources, if you're providing information that you've just gathered and put together without careful um, consideration and strategic planning, you have a lot of motivation, but your time could probably be used otherwise to do something that would contribute to a bigger river 
if you will. And um, when we misdirect our motivation, and my students constantly say, I'm so passionate to end human trafficking, and they want to have a, a march or um, a cross-country bicycle ride, and those are all great things. Climb a mountain, do that, but what can you do that is sustainable, that's not a one-time shot mm. that will actually build capacity in the battle and for victims and survivors? Um, one way to get up to speed, if you are a newbie, is to look for our Ending Human Trafficking podcasts, number 71 and 72. This idea of looking at what we shouldn't do we did a two-part series on myths about human trafficking. And we can learn from what people misunderstand and that is often out there in those beginning awareness events that are pretty much on the surface. We want to avoid those um, pushing those myths. And then once you've uh, listened to that, those two, you might also want to listen to our two-part series on community engagement for some practices that we believe have been time-tested and are pretty secure, and we can recommend them to you. And Sandy, I'll even go a step further there, and uh, perhaps this will sound self-serving to us and our organization, but I, I would really encourage you that if you are, if you have been listening for a while and you're working with other people on ending human trafficking and other organizations and you have friends and colleagues who care about this issue as well, I would really encourage you to reach out and to share this show with them. We have go, we're going on almost four years of li- of library content here, Sandy, and there's tons of valuable information on on all aspects of human trafficking that we have hit on the last four years. And the catalog is rich and detailed. Tons of experts we've had on the show in the past, and very very few of those episodes are specific to a moment in time, almost all of that information is still as relevant today as it was when we recorded it. So I'd really encourage you to check out the website at gcwj.vanguard.edu. And also, uh, you know, if you know folks who use iTunes, which a lot of people do, and all the podcast apps, just search for Ending Human Trafficking, and you can see the whole you can see the whole library of episodes that are up there, and it's really easy to access. And more and more people are listening to the podcast, Andy, especially the last six months. There's been some really big podcasts out there in the world. Uh, Serial has taken the nation by storm here yeah. in the States. And it's great because more and more people are becoming aware of podcasts as a medium and, and more open to it and have the apps on their phones for it. And so I would really encourage you if you have not made that invitation before and you've been listening to the show for a while, um, that's a wonderful way for uh, us to be able to serve people in the way we do best, which is educating people, that we are an educational institution. And that's really our our best um that's our best contribution that we give out there in the world is what the Global Center for Women and Justice does. So so there you go. I'm going to get off myself. No, that's now, good. Sandy, that's but. great. And actually, as long as you're t- talking about how we decided as the Global Center for Women and Justice, what our contribution to the issue would be, yeah. it is education and educating the next generation and engaging our community. We want to be a clearinghouse for trusted, vetted information Absolutely. to equip our community. And so, yeah, we worked on figuring out our role in this as an, as an institution. And from a sustainability perspective, because we're an institution, we're going to start spring semester soon. We're going to do fall semester and spring semester and fall semester. And we're going to be here year after year after year. 
And it goes right back to what you said before about looking at expertise and resources. There's a lot of things we couldn't do. Uh, you know, we couldn't run a shelter. We couldn't do. There's a lot of things we mm. we just. I mean, we could if we really tried to, but. Um, but because we're a university and because we have the resources for the education, the research, the training, the academic background, we can really uniquely bring that. And it fits so well with the institution, the larger institution of the university. And so, so that's our role. That's our expertise and our resources. And every other organization has its role. And so the key is figuring out for you and for your organization, what is your role? Well, and that kind of leads into the third principle here. Be strategic as you try to find where you fit in the battle against human trafficking. Be strategic. We've already established there are hundreds of volunteer opportunities. There's a few jobs. There is a great need. And be deliberate, not just strategic. Be deliberate in planning how to engage using your own expertise and resources. So Dave, as we kind of come into this session, um, I would like you to tell us your story of how you applied the principle of expertise and resources in deciding where you would step in um, in a sustainable capacity building um, role to ending human trafficking. Not very well at, at first, I would say. I mean, you and I met, I don't know, what, six, seven, eight years ago now, uh, Sandy, something like that. Yeah. And, you know, when I first met you, and I remember Bonnie, my wife, telling me about you and your work, I was really fascinated by what you were doing in your work. I had never really heard much about, I mean, I, I suppose I knew that there was trafficking in the world, but I'd never, it's not something that was really on my radar screen. And, and at that time, there was not there was not a lot of media attention to it. So, um, so as I learned more about it, I was really, I remember thinking at some time, at some point I'd love to help. Um, but probably a couple of years went by and, uh, eventually you asked me to be on the board for the global center for women and justice. Um, and I won't bore you with the details of how that happened, but, uh, but I got to the board and I remember, I think the first six to 12 months, I, I helped out with various things. You know, we had our annual con ensure justice conference, um, we did some workshops. You know, I did a few things here and there to help out. I didn't really feel like I was making a substantial contribution, though, um, in a way that was meaningful and that really uniquely utilized my gifts. And um, and that's one of the things I always try to think through whenever I'm volunteering my time or utilizing my time. Well, is is this is this something that um, that a lot of other people could do? And I don't mean that to sound like I, I'm not willing to do something other people could do, but but I'd rather spend my time doing something that I uniquely can bring a skill set or resources that no one else would be able to bring. And if I can focus my attention there, then that would be of real value to the organization, something they wouldn't be able to get anywhere else. And so uh, I guess I started thinking about that. And you and I started talking about it. somehow the term podcast came up and I was start just starting another podcast called Coaching for Leaders. And I don't remember who said it first, but I think I said, you know, what if, what if we did a podcast on ending human trafficking and utilize this new medium, relatively new at the time, to get the message out there about the work the Global Center is doing, about educating people about this issue. And um, and we started talking about it. And I think we probably talked about it for what, about four or five or six months, Sandy, oh, before, yeah. We, yeah. before we sat down to record. And then um, the, the thing that was... The thing that was really interesting to me about doing that is one, it was something I knew I could do sustainably over time. 
Um, the expertise and the resources were there. We have a studio in our home here where we, we record, actually, Sandy and I almost always record in our in-home studio. And, um, and I knew those are the kinds of things that not everybody would just have the resources or the expertise on how to do. So I could bring that uniquely to the center and we could produce something that would really be of value to people that people could tap into all around the world. And, and that's not something that anyone else on our board would, you know, have the capacity to do just like, I mean, anyone could learn of course, but, but that's something I could uniquely bring immediately that we could invest in. And so it's been going for almost four years now. It's amazing. That is. And, um, and we've been, we've, we've missed a few here and there, but for the most part, we've been really consistent on every other week airing a show. I think we've only had a few times that we skipped a week or two uh, extra. And so that, um, to me, that is a real accomplishment for us and for the listeners of this show because um, it, it plays to my strengths, it plays to your strengths, Sandy, and it plays to what the center is about, which is, is, which is studying the issues and being a voice and getting the message out there in the world. So I am just thrilled to be a part of it. And I think that um, it's, it's a great, great, it's a great um, partnership. And it's a wonderful opportunity for me to serve in a unique way of something that didn't even exist before I was involved. And then I'm so excited to be able to do it in that way. Well, and as your life has changed and you have very, very young children, your availability to go and do something away from um, your parenting responsibilities has has really d- diminished. Yeah. And this is something you can continually do. Absolutely. Um, it makes a difference. And, you know, from the area of expertise, just so listeners know, uh, Producing a podcast is a lot more than just recording a conversation with two microphones. It, it is, yes. Yeah, and, is. and managing all the back end of that, the web technology. I don't even know the right terms to use for that. And this is the best part. I don't need you to. You don't need to, yes. I don't need to because we leverage Dave's expertise um, to provide this resource to you. And Alexis's work on the back That's end too. Right. That's um, right. Shout out to Alexis who does an amazing job with our show notes and getting things posted. Uh, so she's a huge part of the production process as well too. Um, yeah, but you're right. You know, it's 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 that sustainable process, and it's it's also thinking about what unique gifts and talents you bring, and and also what resources. And like you said, you know, we have young children at home now. Both my wife and I work full time. Um, so it's really, there's just a limited amount of resources as far as being able to go somewhere and to serve in some capacity at a, at a physical location. Certainly we still do things like that, but a lot less than we used to before we had kids. And, you know, it's, um, I, but I think that that's also part of it too, is thinking through like, what can you uniquely do and what can you do even from your computer or from at home or from, uh, you know, or doing some writing late in the evening on a sustainable basis. There's there's so many ways to serve. It doesn't just have to be going to an event somewhere or volunteering time um, at a shelter. And, and you know, again, as I say every time, all those are really important things to do, but it's only one part of the equation as far as being able to add value to the conversation. So, Well, I, um, I had an experience over the holiday break because I had more time in to do other things besides work on my computer. And so I decided to kind of experiment a little bit with finding new um, uh, friends on Facebook for the Global Center for Women and Justice. And in just a couple of hours of, of posting and sharing with other, other um, groups, 
I had like 30 new likes on the Global Center for Women and Justice Facebook oh, page. Cool. And and I remember because Dave, you're such a great producer, you often remind our listeners that to help more people find what we're doing, we have to share this resource. And on the internet, that means posting, sharing, and uh, writing comments. Yeah. And um, why don't you remind us how to do that with regard to the podcast? I will. Uh, thanks, Sandy. If you have, if you found this show valuable, uh, certainly, as I mentioned before, we really would encourage you to share it with others. And another way you can do that without even necessarily knowing who to make the recommendation to would be to go online and leave a rating or review on iTunes or Stitcher. That actually really helps when people are searching for human trafficking on iTunes and Stitcher, which more and more people are doing because more and more people are on those platforms and they're looking for resources. That helps uh, this show show up in the search rankings and for people to find us as a resource. So uh, take a moment to do that if you would. We would certainly uh, be grateful for it, but don't do it for us. Do it because you want to get this information out there in the world and want more people to listen and to learn and to study the issues. And the more people who are a part of our conversation, the more sustainable connections and partnerships that we'll all be able to build. And that, Sandy, I know is something that's really exciting for us. So uh, you can always reach us as well by email. If you have feedback, a comment or question, gcwj at vanguard.edu. Sandy mentioned the Facebook page. You can always search for us as well there too. And if you'd like to reach out to us by phone, you can uh, you can talk to Alexis, who's uh, right. part of our production process. And you can reach her at 714-966- Six three six zero, and Sandy will be back again in uh, two weeks with another great conversation. Uh, I already know who it's going to be, so I'm excited. But I won't, I won't spill the beans. Okay, gotta, all right. You got to be back in two weeks. Thanks, Dave. Thanks, Sandy. Talk to you soon. <laughs>